Welcome to the Radical Middle Podcast, where we embrace tension and talk about the things you wish your church talked about. I'm your host, Tommy Nixon. As always, I'm here with my man, Freddie Romero. Now, today, what we're going to talk about is what is the root of our identity crisis. We're talking about Christians. Like, I think we have an identity crisis. And in the episode, if you watch the show on YouTube, the episode talks about the empire versus the kingdom. And then a few moments ago, you just said something really disturbing to me. Yeah, I confess that I have never seen Star Wars. This is ridiculous to me. Hey, so, Matt, sorry. <laughs> and so in the episode, we talk about right the empire and nobody you don't identify with the empire when you watch star wars i know the, you don't know what i'm talking about those but are the bad guys those are the bad okay. guys right it's always like we're the rebels we're the but the reality is is that you have to see yourself either that you are part of the empire or that at least you're influenced by it. i mean you might be woke and you're up on stuff but you still hear the propaganda every single day and so really this idea that we have an identity crisis as Christians, right? Mm. I mean, you understand what yeah, I'm saying, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that as, as, as people who are leading movements or leading communities, we, when we think of identity crisis, we think that someone is having it. We never look introspectively at the collective, like believers, Christians, followers of Christ can have an identity crisis. And I looked up what an identity crisis <laughs> means. And the general definition is when someone is questioning their place in the world based on who they are. So, bro, like what leads to someone having an identity crisis? Well, I mean, I feel like that that's what Christianity, like Christendom in the United States is in a huge identity crisis. And that's what this whole conversation of Radical Middle is about is trying so, so that we don't just go to our camps, right? And everybody else is an, is an idiot or they're wrong or whatever. But we come to this place and go, okay, one, we love Jesus. Two, we believe in scripture. But three, we want to come to that middle to dialogue to figure out how do you do this? Because, I mean, even for me, man, identity, even my personal identity, I, I feel intention all the time, right? I mean, look at me, bro. I got blue eyes. I'm a, you know, I look completely white. I'm a, you know, I'm yeah. a man. I, yeah. So, but the reality is, is I'm, I'm mixed. I'm like a quarter Filipino, but I grew up in the black community. My dad lives in Mexico. I have Mexican brothers and sisters since I was like, my dad moved down there when I was like 11, you know, yeah, still yeah. down there. Yeah. Uh, I, I worked and lived in um, immigrant neighborhoods for 20 years. I'm, yeah, I even was on the preaching team of a predominantly Asian church. Yeah. So who am I? I have like, so that really, I struggle with that. And then I struggle with, I've always, and we were just joking about this, I, I've always you know, come from the margins. I always like identify with the margin. I think scripture is written from the margins, but what happens when, when you make it or you come up or you, you know what I mean? Or you find yourself in the majority, like how I've also found myself with all the privilege that this, you know, comes with. And so this is the stuff that I feel is like so difficult and why the radical middle is so important. Well, like, you know, thinking about the people who are in that state where they as leaders are having a, a crisis because they're trying, they're called to serve the marginalized or those that are less privileged, but then they just feel disqualified based on the color of their skin as well, hmm. you know? And then in your sense, man, I don't think, I don't know how many people might know that, man. I, I don't actually, we've never had this conversation, right? but I mean, did you struggle with that idea that, you know, like the color of your skin would somehow disqualify you from leading an urban youth worker? Oh yeah, it? dude. Guys, wow. so I literally was like, Larry Acosta, right? Our founder was like, hey, uh, they they approached me with this job offer, right? And they go, oh, we think you're the guy. Now, granted, 
it was after a couple failed attempts with some other folks, right? <laughs> and it was one of my first questions. I go, hey, listen, man, you really should have someone who's Latino, African-American, like at least a, a full person of color, right? A mix, but mm. look at me, bro. And they came back to me and, and were like, no, they, you're it. And I struggle with that. I've always struggled with that. that. That's also part of this radical middle where I struggle with my own identity and I think we've got to talk about this, especially since this next generation coming up, the majority of them are non-white anyway. Yeah. And so there's a huge demographic shift. And so we've got to address these kind of issues of identity in a really deep way. What made you aware of that, though? Like, why wasn't like you being approached for, uh, you know, the CEO position and, um, you know, the responsibilities of a CEO? Why wasn't like, man, your faithfulness to Christ? You know, why wasn't your qualifications, your, you, you, you've served in urban communities, you know, like you said, you have a, a, a diverse background and, you know, unique circle of friends and you've led nonprofits before you started your own and, you know, that we could say, hey, it, that was successful. Why was it, why were you so aware of that, that made all these other things that you would say, hey, that person's qualified, Tommy's qualified. Why, why was this such a thing hanging in front of you? Yeah. I mean, I, cause I think I've, this sounds really prideful, but I've done the work, right? So I've, one, I've been in places where I was in the minority. And so I had to think through that and I had to understand it and I had to understand the cultures around me and I had to, I wanted to fit in, right? So on that journey with that, I'm going, but I'm also, you know, my identity in Christ. And, and so all those things like come into play theologically, what do I believe about that? What do people said about me? I think it's important because I was thinking through, I understand my privilege, I understand who I was created to be. I'm, I'm mixed. Mm -hmm. I live in the tension all the time. Mm -hmm. Why does God want me here? And I really think that he placed me here because I'm a bridge yeah. builder, right? I, I'm like, so I think for such a time as this, so, but I had to think through it and work through it, right? But even for us in this conversation and for those of you guys who are listening and struggle with the same thing, I mean, we actually, I think these things are really important in yeah. the kingdom of God, in following Christ. And I don't think we should just cover over them because like, well, we're, our identity is in Jesus and he's colorblind and all that kind of like, you know, crap that people say that I'm like, uh, I don't think that's actually true. Like even for you, Freddie, I mean, okay, as a Latino man, like how has this idea of identity like worked out for you? So you said something earlier that, Normally, as believers, we don't identify with the empire right. and that Jesus identifies with the marginalized, the poor, the least, the last. And even when he had the opportunity to back a political faction of the Jewish community, he yeah. didn't. Right. He forfeited the opportunity to lead a rebellion like people were willing to follow him. Yeah. And if he would have said, hey, let's take let's bear arms. They right? would have got down and right? have an insurrection. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they probably would have done it. And but he forfeited that. And so you're saying like we're supposed to identify with that Jesus. Yeah. But as a, but as a Latino, that's not what we are taught. Mm. You know, my parents will, our parents will remind us how many deserts they had to walk through, mm -hmm. rivers they had to swim, yep. mountains they had to climb, borders they had to jump. Mm. So that we would be given a better opportunity in this country than they had in their respective countries. And for our parents... The way you succeed in the world is not by staying in the margins. Right, yeah. They left the most marginalized countries right. to be able to come to one for chasing an American dream. And they're giving us an opportunity. So they put all these high expectations on us. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a doctor. Yeah. You're going to be a politician. You're going to be... For, for us, success is you got to be in the front. Right. 
And so we were engraved that for us, we were representing and we were going to bring everybody out of the hood. We were going to buy mom a house, you know, in the neighborhoods where she was cleaning the houses. Right. You know, and we were going to buy our parents a house in the place where our dad was doing the landscaping. And so for, for, for us, Tommy, I think that, you know, for a lot of Latino people, it's like not accomplishing those things wrestles with our identity. Like we look at those things as failure because we didn't accomplish the thing that our parents, if our parents could come here, we should at least accomplish that. Yeah, absolutely. Given all the opportunities. And so I wrestle with that because I'm like, then am I, am I not really Latino if I have not succeeded at this stage when my parents came here to give me all those opportunities? Right. And so, and then, which is such a beautiful story, man. I appreciate you even sharing that. It, the other layer of all this is um, how does whiteness and, and American, we talk about American nationalism and American yeah. culture. Yeah. How does that all kind of like the syncretism all come together and just add different layers to it where I'm saying we actually, I don't think there's a right answer. There's not like, Hey dude, you gotta stay poor. I, I don't think that's the answer, but yet there's this calling from Jesus to go, dude, I still care about the margins. What does that look like for yeah. your life? And are you still about it? Do you remember where you're coming from? How do you, so, and that's what I'm saying. I think it was in episode one. We talked about this, about like, it's, it's not this black and white, like, well, there's only one path, right? Now truth is, is, you know, it's not rel relative, but it's absolute, but there's this grave relationship. And I think there's a calling that God also wants to use your ethnicity he wants to use your socioeconomic background. He wants to use your education. He wants to use country of origin. He, like you can use all of that for his glory. And that's where I think I would rather dialogue with people and just go, well, well, what could that look like? Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But I still feel like, you know, like our black brothers and sisters, you know, our Latinos who are like, you know, our Asian community, they're, they're still suffering a lot of injustices, right? Oh, yeah. And they are not getting earthly justice and they're believers and their hope is in Christ 100% absolutely. But when the church doesn't stand alongside the oppressed absolutely. and the victims, it almost seems like, okay, well, my Christianism, <laughs> my Christian identity yeah. and who I, the community I identify with isn't vowing to help me fight for this justice right. that we, we deserve as human beings. And so now I'm going to go to my blackness, my Latino-ness, you know, my, yeah. my, my race or my gender. I'm going to identify with because those communities that identify with those attributes, with my race, my culture, my language, my heritage, my gender, whatever yeah. it is, they are more vocal about fighting against the empire yeah. than my you know, Christ, self-identified Christ believers. Yeah. That is the struggle, Tommy. And yeah. I think that we're trying to navigate as believers, well, from what position do we stand for justice? Mm -hmm. Do we advocate for the marginalized? Do I do it as a minority who's a believer or is it a Christian above all else? Yeah, I mean, I, I see, I love this conversation because I haven't heard it. Like, I don't hear a ton of these conversations because I think it's really hard. Yeah. But I think there's a beauty in the struggle and, and pressing into the tension of it. I think there's the answers found in that. And I think the conversations around that can be so beautiful. And like, honestly, it's, that's the kind of church I want to see. Hmm. I want to see a church that goes, hey, we made it. Right. Mm -hmm. People are people are thriving and we're going to find other people that aren't. And we're going to help them thrive. Mm. So to live the abundant life of Christ 
And it's not always tied to economics or education, but those are really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like and, and what I think what's beautiful is the mission of that is actually part of the sanctification process for those who have made it. Mm-hmm. Like we always talk about, you know, those who with means and those without the means, like they actually address each other's poverty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there's a beautiful, like you actually, there's mutuality. You need each other. And that's the kingdom of God. And I think to accept and to receive everything that each of those people are is beautiful. And that's when, you know, when people say stuff like, I don't see color or I don't, you know, I'm like, well, that's too bad because God made me or he made you or he made this person like he created them that way yeah and and the word says that they were wonderfully created and yeah. made right and so why can't we receive that yeah and there's an awesome book by uh dr robert chow romero it's called brown church and he talks about um revelations 20 i think it's 21 where it talks about you know at the end that god will receive into the into the eternal city all the blessings of the nations and, and really what he's talking about is like all the cultural, ethnic, like gifts that are, that are glorifying to God are received yeah, yeah. and give glory to God. And so yeah. I go, beautiful. So if the kingdom is now and not yet, that means we should receive them now. Yeah. And so if I can meet someone from a different ethnicity and they understand God in a little bit different way than I do, or they understand a piece of scripture, don't I, I want to receive that instead yeah. of trying to whitewash it and just be like, no. There's only there, there's only this. Yeah. And if you want to make it, you have to adhere to this. And that's the part that I go, oh, man. And that's why I don't understand even outside of theology, bro. I just go, I don't understand why people wouldn't want a multicultural America. It's wonderful. Like even just on the base, and I don't mean to keep it at this, but just on the basis of food. Yeah. Like why, why would you just want one type? Like when and you could music. have, yeah, and, and music, music and dancing and art yeah. and all yeah. these beautiful cultural things. Yeah. I just go to, 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 to replace that with kind of this monochromatic kind of just blah, you know what I mean? Culture. Well, and I'm like, ah, well, it's, I, it's frustrating. I do feel that sometimes the institution that is sometimes in bed with the empire, I do feel that the rhetoric that we're hearing as minorities sometimes is, well, yeah, God doesn't look at skin color and you're his child. You're his child first. You're, you know, you got to be more like Christ. And when you see injustices in the world, you got to be like Christ and you got to turn the other cheek. You're right. Bro, ask a Latino or a black person right now, bro, we're tired of turning the other cheek. Yeah. The church isn't helping us. It's, 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 we, we feel that way. Mm-hmm. We're being passed over opportunities. And so, it's so easy sometimes to lean into like this color of my skin again, because it's like they're rioting, they're making their voice heard. Right, yeah. And so like now we have this idea where we're fighting, you know, to put people in political power that more looks like me on the outside than the Christ that's within me. Yeah. And what is that tension, Tommy? What is the tension there where like, you know, I will vote, a Latino in or a black person in over anything, regardless of what they stand for or yeah. what kind of person they are. They could be the most jacked up person with so many scandals as we've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because they profess something that is appealing to me, I'm going to go ahead and, and endorse them. Yeah. I mean, you bring up that and that's a tension right there because even anybody who's listening to this, they might be like, whoa, whoa, you know, but I'm like, that's exactly what's been happening since the inception of our country. Like, I don't, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I think one, one group that does this really well, friends, and you should check this out, is the AND campaign. If you look up the AND campaign, they walk this line so well on how do you stick towards biblical principles and how do you engage in politics? I mean, like so much better than even our conversations could be here. So check them out. And I think they have a lot of great answers on how do you engage in that space. You know, for me, it's just like, I look at it and go, what, how can I join in so that whatever the context I'm in looks more like the kingdom of God. Yeah. And when it doesn't, and we all look the same, I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't adhere to scripture what it really looks like. Yeah. So I do think that sometimes, you know, we could also unintentionally to stand with our brothers and sisters, we could also self-segregate from other communities oh, yeah. that are fighting the same plight as us. And so here's my question is identity in Christ and then all these things that are true about us, those of us that are white, black, you know, Asian mixed. Mixed. <laughs> um is there a hierarchy? Of identity, like are we are we Christians first, Latino second, or am I a male first who happens to be Latino? Like, yeah. is there a hierarchy to my identity? I, I think there's a, I think there is, but but the hierarchy really is, it's it is Christ first. Uh, like I identify as I follow Christ, and I think you see that in Scripture. I I, I do. You know what I mean? Uh, Paul talks about that. Mm-hmm. I think underneath that, though, is to receive all the things that you really are. And I think there's a journey there of healing friends, of going, and I know I've, I've been through it and I'm on it, of, of reconciling, this is who God made me to be. Because I'll tell you, Freddie, growing up, man, I, in sixth grade, I had a, a teacher, his name was Mr. McDuffie, African-American man, older, been through, was, went through the civil rights fight. And this little white looking kid, right? Sixth grade class at Elliott Junior High. I wrote an essay and in the essay it talked about how I wish I was black. <laughs> so he's got this like this little skinny white kid and he's going like, he, and he gave it to my mom. He was like, uh, can please, Wait, Mr. McDuffie was Mr. what? He was black. Okay. And he was just like, can you please talk to your son? Like, let him know. But I so wanted to, I, I just wanted to be some, I want to be a part of something. Mm. And when I read scripture and I read the gospel and I read the family of God that I get to be a part of, that you and I, even though I'm not Latino, right? We're brothers. Yeah. Like that's beautiful. In fact, I get to learn about your culture. I get to learn your language. I get to learn your food. I get to learn who you are. I get to learn how you think about scripture and your family and all that. That's a gift to me. Yeah. And you know what? The world's not like that. The world is all about division. Mm-hmm. But Christ brings us together and that's beautiful. But if I'm cutting that off because, no, 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 dude, there's, there's only Jesus and your Latino in this doesn't matter, I'm missing out on the gift that you really are. And I think if we thought more about it like that, the kingdom would be experienced by more people and they'd be like, 100%. yeah, man, like, I want that. And it's like, yeah, because that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's unlike the empire. It's not like the world. Yeah, I would say, I think the, the, the like, I think the challenge oh, yeah. for those that are listening to us to, to us right now is, hey, go find someone else and listen to their story because it's the stories that would connect us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Bro, thank you so much for sharing all of that because yeah, it gives us a lot of hope to know that we don't have to be divided, that we could unite under you know Christ 
even with all of our differences. Yet without putting those to the side, right? Yeah, yeah. without forfeiting them. Right. Because we get to bring those Receive to the it. table. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's good, man. And we just encourage each and every single one of you listening to us to just engage in this conversation. Give, send us a question. Ask these questions with those around you. And I think we're going to learn so much how like really similar we can be and at the same time celebrate our differences. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time. If you liked today's episode, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to check out the Radical Middle Show on YouTube at UIWI.